You're listening to the Together in Literacy podcast, a podcast for educators, families, and advocates that connects the research of reading, dyslexia awareness, and the whole child. We're your hosts, Casey Harrison and Emily Gibbons. As two literacy dyslexia specialists, we've come together to talk about literacy, dyslexia, and the connection to the social-emotional impact that it has on our students, their families, and the educators who serve them. We welcome you to join us on this exciting and educational journey into dyslexia as we come together in literacy. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit us at www.togetherinliteracy.com. Thank you for joining us today. Let's get started. Welcome everyone to the Together in Literacy podcast. We are season two, episode 17. So exciting to say that number. Uh, We love to share some feedback with you right before we get into our amazing guest episode today. So this feedback is from SM Miller 30 and it's called Love Listening to the Podcast. This podcast is very informative and child-centered. It offers practical advice to parents and educators on the importance of viewing students as individuals, focusing on their strengths, yet being honest and open about how to address their needs. As a tutor in private practice, I love listening to Emily and Casey as they provide their words of wisdom. Well, SM Miller 30, that really, I think, encapsulates what Casey and I try to do focusing on the whole child, recognizing strengths, and of course, keeping the conversation open and honest. So thank you so much. And please, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, leave us a rating and a review, and we would love to share it on a future episode. And that just, as always, puts a little wind in our sails when we hear from you and really, really appreciate that support. All right. I am going to let Casey introduce our fantastic guest to all of you. (laughs) And I'm so excited to introduce you to this amazing guest that we have today. And I feel like that review is the perfect springboard into our conversation today. So I am pleased to introduce you to Ryan Poole. This young man is a high schooler and he is here taking on the world. And I'm so excited to see where his journey is going to go. Ryan is an entrepreneur and a nationally ranked tennis player. And in May, he secured funding from Orange County Investors for his most recent business, Tennisify. And he serves as an ambassador for economics for leaders and coaches tennis in his spare time. And if that wasn't enough, Ryan trains hard on and off the tennis courts. And when not playing, you'll find him asking questions and soaking up learning opportunities. His mission is to make the world a better place through innovation, using kindness, drive, and curiosity. And Ryan was diagnosed with apraxia of speech at two years old and dyslexia as a kindergartner. And he has big ideas about slow processing time and works hard to understand how to optimize his brain. He is grateful for his amazing tutors, teachers, and mentors who taught him how to advocate for himself and for others. And he recently gave a TED talk, a TEDx talk, which is absolutely fantastic. And we will have the link in the notes. But this talk was given at a TEDx event using the TED conference format, but independently organized by a local community. So we are going to talk to him about that as well. So welcome, Ryan. We are so excited to have you here today. Hello. It's so good to be on. Thank you so much for doing this. (laughs) Well, you are amazing. And we are so grateful to you for being here with us today. Your message is incredibly powerful. And I cannot wait for our listeners to watch your TEDx talk. And before we kind of get into that, I would just kind of ask you, Ryan, to just kind of tell us a little bit about your journey and what really maybe led you to wanting to do a TEDx talk. Yeah, so... I was extremely phenomenally lucky to be able to be diagnosed with apraxia of speech, super young at two or three years old. And then I 
because of that, so was able to find out that I had severe dyslexia and self-processing time at five or six years old, which I know that so many people aren't able to have that luck and have that support. And because I was able to have the right people around me have the, the, the right learning experience, have a bunch of accommodations, really just have an amazing community and team Ryan built together. I was so phenomenally lucky and it, it's somewhat two-sided. You need to be super, super lucky and then you need to take advantage of the luck. So being so lucky, but then summer after summer after summer, going in, practicing on the, the thing you're the absolute worst at, like reading books so much later and it it really hurts sometimes. But then as you train more and more and more and more, improving, improving, improving when everyone else doesn't need to train, when everyone else is able to put in that medium effort, you're needing to go physically, physically can't over and over again. And it's so exhausting. But then years and years and years later, after putting in all that extra work, you find that it's not just a, a challenge in, in English, in language arts, but it this work ethic goes to the rest of your life, this drive, because you've been working so hard in one thing, it transfers to everything. So my, my story, even though one might think, oh, you put in so much extra work, maybe you're done with dyslexia, you're done with whatever it is, whatever the challenge is, I have found that it's still super challenging for me going to English, English class, whatever it is, forming sentences, getting my story across. But I found that, that this struggle is the creator of my greatest strength because of the fact that it's challenging, because of the fact that I need to do something differently than everyone else. And this can be seen in my, in my tennis goals. This can be seen in my entrepreneurship and my TED talk. Cause I know I have been so phenomenally lucky. So if I can somehow tell and show my luck, show my story to other people so, who can possibly take advantage of it. And if I can change one person's life, that's a hundred percent success for me because I know without people like you all doing this, making and, and, and telling stories and it, it, it's, it's crazy to think about how lucky it was, but if only I can be the luck for someone else, that, that, that would really make my heart like swole. I love that, Ryan. And I think, you know, when people watch your story and your, your talk, that that's exactly what they're going to take away from that. So Ryan's talk is called reframing your struggles into your superpower. Is that correct? Yeah. That's exactly what Ryan is all about is looking, shifting our mindsets, right? Ryan into yes, acknowledging how much of a struggle things are, but then finding ways to shift that thinking and acknowledging those parts that we can take away as a strength. His talk is absolutely fantastic. So definitely check it out. But thank you so much. There's, I think that there's two sides of this. There's the, the before, like when it's happening, when you have the struggle happening, then there's the after. Yeah. Because you can't say, try, you're going to try and stay strong, like quote unquote strong. You're going to try and not feel sad about your super annoying thing and you're just going to find that that strength right away but it doesn't quite work that way sometimes you need to feel oh wow this this sucks this is challenging why me this is so unfair as you go through that as you find yourself and as you connect so much your inner being then you somewhat after that you're like oh wait what are the strengths that can be created from this which is it, it's so fascinating to me I love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure there were so many times when you know, you're in that struggle and you're having all those big feelings, sometimes we call them, and it, just the ability to see and recognize and acknowledge those struggles and see how that can transfer into things like your tennis and your entrepreneurship, I think is just such a tremendous amount of growth, uh, not only for someone as young as you are, but I think that this is just such a tremendous message to adults too, who are going through adversity and just trying to find out how to work through life's challenges 
So I really enjoyed listening to your TEDx talk. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I just, I'm sure that it's going to get a lot of views after this interview. So I was looking at your Instagram page, Ryan, <laughs> and I saw your one of your recent posts and it had a quote on there that really stuck out at me. Mm -hmm. And you said, I can't wait to be pushed more out of my comfort zone. Now that really speaks to me, Ryan. I'll speak on a personal level because I'm I'm training for a road race right now. And it is 100% out of my comfort zone. Anybody that has knows Emily would say, wait a minute, you're <laughs> actually like, this is, doesn't sound like the Emily that I know. So even two months ago, but here I am training. And so I'm out of my comfort zone big time. And so it's exciting to me when I read what you say, I can't wait to be pushed more because I feel like that too, when I am training. And so my question is, what do you envision this meaning for yourself? So in that photo, you were talking about what's coming and it was really exciting. What do you envision for yourself happening by getting pushed out of your comfort zone? Yeah. So thinking about the future, thinking about what is pushing yourself out of your comfort zone mean? And I think it connects to a bunch of my different stories that all sort of go along together. It connects to being pushed out of my comfort zone with dyslexia, with slow processing time. It connects to my entrepreneurial journeys for 12 years of trying to do something, failing, trying to do something, failing, and learning and learning and learning. And I, I know that if you're not failing in life, if you're not facing adversity, you're not, you're not really succeeding. What life is, is it seems like it's, hurdle after hurdle after hurdle and these things make it so then you learn so then you like th this challenge causes for you to see yourself more see how you connect to the outer world and I, I know that uh, there are there are gonna be so many times in the rest of my life where I'm bawling on the ground I feel like my life is over I'm so annoyed I'm like why is this happening to me but I also know that from my, my such I'd say like lucky experiences with the adversity that I've had along with the perspective I've had while, while I've had the adversity, it's that putting yourself in these challenging circumstances is what defines success. It's not succeeding, but it's failing and allowing yourself to fail, putting yourself out of your comfort zone. Because like, what does out of your comfort zone mean? It means that you're challenging yourself. It means that you're doing something differently and doing something differently, failing, I feel like is the definition of success. It should be the definition of success. But what so much of society does, what so much of media, media does is it tells you, hey, go make all this money, easy peasy, do this low risk, like high reward. But in reality, you need to have those failures because if you don't, are you really trying? Are you really pushing yourself out of your comfort zone because it's a perfect medium. There's a place where you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone so much that you can't think, you're not learning anything, you're not processing. Then there's the part where you're in your comfort zone and you're not learning anything because you're doing that exact same thing. So if you can balance that line where you're stressed, but you're not too stressed, that's the perfect place to, to be in my journey is that challenged part and you're learning and you're, you're, it's just such an amazing balance and line you're walking on where if you're, if you're challenging yourself, only learning and only great things will come. Yes. Brian, that was such a beautiful way to explain that and getting yourself to that point where you're pushing yourself enough to have growth happen. And as I said earlier, like, I'm so impressed with you, you know, you're at such a young age and you have this incredible insight that a lot of even adults haven't yet reached. So just know that your message is, I think will really resonate with all ages because the way that you're viewing obstacles and challenges and success is something that really provides opportunities for growth. And, and I think we see that with you. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. Yeah, I think even in our you know current 
society here, we are so used to seeing instant gratification for so many things. And we know, and all three of us are, have entrepreneurial spirits. We can all connect to one another in that way. Know that it's not overnight success. And it was through our challenges and adversity, whatever that may look like, whether it's a dyslexia or, or something else that we saw growth and were able to appreciate success through challenges. So that really uh, just spoke so deeply to me when you're mentioning that. Yeah, it's not about the instant gratification and it takes a lot of maturity, I think, Mm -hmm. to realize that. So great, great message there. I got one more thing. I think that with this instant gratification, it's because we see these entrepreneurs, we see these businesses and we only see them once they get popular. We only see this piece, but as a tennis player, if you're in any sport, you can't just go to that sport and then become a pro. You need to go in and out. You need to work, work. You need to have those updates. You need to have those down days, that roller coaster. I feel like that's so similar to entrepreneurship, really to life, because you put in work, you don't see really any or very, very little difference that you're making, but it's because of that day in, day out, challenging yourself. It's because of that different thinking and that constant putting work over and over and over again that then you you get that so-called instant gratification, which is really like 10 years in the making, which you all understand. And I assume that a bunch of our viewers are understanding this and obviously the journey of life. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I love that you're, connecting your sports, you know, work with your entrepreneurial work, with your school work, right? And seeing that there's this common thread that exists. So if we're, you know, a lot of our listeners are educators or parents, you know, and they're really thinking about like that academic piece for the students that are in front of them. What would you say has been something that you have taken into your school or or a lesson maybe that you've learned over your time in, in school? Yeah, so with advocating for, for myself, with really learning about what is neurodiversity, what is challenge, something, something that I do before, let's say I have a new, it's a new year, I have new classes, I give a presentation to every single one of my new teachers, new faculty, and I say, who is Ryan Poole? How is, what is my support system like? How can I be the most successful with you? And how can you be the most successful with me? Because it's not just one way, but it's two ways. And after doing that, that makes your connection so much better. And then day after day, I know that I've been very, very lucky to have the teachers that I've had. I talk with my teachers, it doesn't matter what it is, after every single class, either it's saying thank you, to saying, hey, what do you do this weekend? To what's more helpful with accommodations, saying, hey, I'm struggling with reading this. I was wondering if we could talk because communication, I think, with neurodiversity, with challenge is the biggest goal. I think that most teachers want you, want their students to succeed in I know that I've been so lucky. I just try and communicate with my teachers about literally everything. I email them about everything, about the challenges I'm going through, along with the amazing things that I'm going through. So I think just keeping them updated on everything, which then makes that when you need something in order to succeed, it makes that communication and that one person to another understanding so much better and so much more effective. So that's what I would suggest to all the viewers or listeners. I love that. And that is fantastic advice, right? The, that advocacy piece. And, you know, as you know, Ryan is now in high school and, and he's able to really self-advocate. And so that is something, again, that is built over time. We can't just expect students to be able to advocate for themselves from the get-go. We have to help them on their journey so that they have the tools to be able to do the communication like Brian is suggesting, right? To give a presentation to their teachers, to know how to email in a way that is going to communicate need and, you know, 
requests for things. So I think that is such great advice, Ryan. So thank you for sharing how you do that. Yeah, I think Casey, that goes back to even what we were talking about before, how you're not just good at something like that if you start trying. But I remember I was terrified to go speak. I was terrified to go in front of teachers, but it's because of my support group. It's because of my teachers. It's because of my parents all coming together to build that 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 strength that I, that I now see with with advocacy. It's built over so many years and so much sadness and so much. Why do I have to do this? Going back to the start. Yeah, like you're saying, it, it takes so long to develop that. Absolutely. And and it also comes with some self-recognition and awareness of yourself as a learner and also what your areas of need are and, and starting to shed any shame that you may have that's associated with that so that you can lean into understanding your neurodiversity and understanding what that means for you for both the areas of strength and the areas of need. I, I know I've been adding on a lot, but one thing with this, I think this connects to everything else we've been talking about, the stigma behind neurodiversity, the mm-hmm. stigma behind all this, all these different pieces. Right now, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go tell everyone I have dyslexia, I have the processing time, I was born with apraxia speech. But just like the, the piece with advocacy right at the beginning, I was terrified. What would other people think? So just like with advocacy, building that up, being in a safe environment where you can learn everyone's different. Everyone thinks differently. Everyone goes through these different processes. It, it really builds up time after time after time, little by little by little. Once you're pushed out of your comfort zone, you have that 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 little piece of learning and you do that years after years after years. And then you see that, that huge growth. Ryan, just to piggyback on what Casey was saying, do you remember what grade you were in when you really felt like you could begin and felt brave enough to speak up and advocate for yourself? Like, when do you feel like that all started? That's a really, really good question. I went to a school called the Logan School for Creative Learning. And because I had such a great support group, like my first dyslexia presentation was when I was in third grade or something like that. So, so lucky to be able to be speaking. I know that third grade is the absolute latest because I was talking about what are the strengths. I think I started to really figure out my strengths little by little subconsciously in first grade, in second grade, in tutoring because of my support system. And then in third grade, trying to be that support, trying to understand because what one thing I've learned is being on this podcast, talking about whatever it is, talking about my neurodiversity, my challenges, it isn't just good for the people who are listening to understand the stories, but it's also good for yourself to listen to other people's stories. But then also, if you're talking about something, you're understanding it on a deeper and deeper level. And it helps you dis- destigmatize neurodiversity and challenge. It's so many good pieces in one. So my guess is, I think it was second, maybe third grade, where I- I've been so, so unbelievably fortunate to define to- to my challenge as my as my strength. That's amazing. <laughs> I know, Ryan, I was thinking that it was like, wow, I wonder how old he was when he started, like, oh, maybe middle school, high school, like, second, third grade, that's amazing. Yeah, and it's because of the, and you had mentioned to this when you were sharing your story, uh, being able to be identified early and get those services and accommodations that you needed, and that we just stress that with our families so much in these episodes, the importance of early identification just so, so helpful. So we're going to, once again, ask you, what advice do you have for others on their journey with dyslexia or any uh, neurodiversity? What's the biggest pieces of advice that you could give? Yeah. So I'm thinking about what, what's the biggest piece of advice. Obviously I have the, you, you find the struggle and then you're thinking about how is this struggle making you have to do something differently than everyone else over and over and over again, which then creates the strength. But I also know that they're like my parent, my dad, for example, he found that he had dyslexia when I was diagnosed with dyslexia. 
Mm-hmm. So I know that it's not just super young people, but it's also people who've gone through life, who've gone through college with this differentiator, with this so-called struggle or weakness. But I believe that that going through it like that then means that you see so many successful people with dyslexia, with neurodiversities, because they've had to work through such extreme challenges. Like if I already think of an example, I'd say that reading a book for someone who has dyslexia, doing a presentation when you have a proxy of speech, it's like running a marathon when everyone else just has to read the book or run the marathon. So if you're doing that a couple of times a day for a couple of years, well, not more than a couple of years, for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you're used to running this marathon mentally, physically, which means that if you literally go run a marathon, if you do something really, really challenging, you have become used to that really challenging thing. You've, been, you've become used to your mind having to work harder than everyone else. Like when you see someone with ADHD, they can go, like they can use their strength so absolutely phenomenally. When I see someone who says I have ADHD or I was just diagnosed with dyslexia or practice of speech or any neurodiversity, so many other people say, oh, I'm sorry for you. But what I say is that's awesome. Like I could not wait to see how you utilize this as a strength. And obviously the world isn't necessarily built for people but it's becoming more and more built out because of people like you, because of the parents, because of the school teachers, and because of information being able to destigmatize de- neurodiversity. It this is making a huge difference. So it's it's that really it's a challenge, but then once you recognize it as a challenge, it can change your life forever. Thinking if I hadn't recognized my struggle as my superpower, where I'd be. I don't know what I'd be doing. I probably wouldn't be playing tennis. I probably wouldn't be doing entrepreneurship. I probably wouldn't be trying to distigmatize neurodiversity. I probably wouldn't be a leader. So it's so much about a support group, about saying, hey, this is what I have. What, what do I need? And how can we best support each other? It's going through it and, and knowing that everyone's different. No one has the exact same brain because in society, if everyone were to have the exact same brain, all society would fail. We'd all come up with the same inventions, with the same differences. But when you think about a board meeting, when you think about whatever it is, it's having everyone thinking differently, everyone having different strengths, having these different stories, which allows civilization, which allows innovation and entrepreneurship and really anything is this difference. So once you start to think about your challenge or struggle, whatever it is, even if it's just breaking your arm, how does that make you think differently? How does that that define you as someone else, someone different? Because being different, I've seen being different change over the years. I've seen being different at the start of my life, being like, you're different, you're weird maybe feeling dumb, mm-hmm. but in reality, year after year after year, I've seen everything become so much less stigmatized, seeing, oh, you're different, that's amazing. And I'm so excited to see what this means for the future, because if you've come to from feeling down about yourself, not wanting to tell others to this, where can we go for the future? How can we make it so that learning is accessible to all neurodiverse people, well, all people really in general, and how can it be the best for everyone? I know that this is such a huge, huge open-ended piece, but I- I'm excited about the reality of, of everything, the change that's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's exciting the more that we communicate this and people are open about, oh, I see the world this way. And they're like, wait, you think that that's so different. That's super cool. And it's really shifting the perception on how people view the world and the differences that we bring and how we can honor those and recognize that there are strengths in all of those. So um, I just think it's such a great time for 
conversations about dyslexia, conversations about dyslexia, so that we can really step into honoring the journey that each person has. Yeah, and it's it's never too late to do it. You can always do it right now. It doesn't matter if I am 99 years old, whatever's happening with the world, you can always do it. And it always makes such a big difference. Absolutely. And helping people be seen and heard and honored. And that's just part of human nature, right? We all want to be recognized. So I think it's lovely. I'm excited as well. Yeah, we all want to be able to hear someone else's story and be able to identify with someone else mm-hmm. that like, that's like me, that that's, you know, someone I can connect with, yeah. right? I think we all have some form of adversity in our lives. And I think we all need to know that there's just even just one other person out there that has gone through something similar and how they were able to come out on the other side or be able to power through along that journey. And I also love that you were sort of listing off the what ifs, like what if I, like what, what the alternative would have been if you hadn't been become a leader and gotten so great at tennis and all of the other things. I mean, imagining the alternative must be like, well, yeah, like why would I even want to go, you know, be in that place, right? And the sad part to me is that there are millions, I don't know how many people, hundreds of millions of people where that reality is true, where what I'm trying to imagine is what happens, where they didn't get that early finding about early diagnosis with neurodiversity and it's so sad so if we can somehow make it so that more and more people find out Mm -hmm. and be able to name this difference that they have Mm -hmm. it'll make a world of difference for so many people imagining if my story were to be able to my learnings were be able to be put and help out with these hundreds of millions of people thinking it would change the world so this talks with the future how if we can do that in the future i know that this journey is really really challenging if it can be done the whole world's going to be so much different so many more innovators are going to come about so many more different thinkers problem solvers it'll make the world just such a better place absolutely absolutely and you're you know i think along with that you're mindset and how you've shifted that is also a big part of that, that big social emotional piece in, in shifting how you're approaching things and how you're viewing the world and yourself within that, I think is really powerful as well, Ryan. And I think, you know, you speak to that in your reframing your struggles into superpowers. So I, I think that message is a really strong part of this and a big takeaway for people as well. Thank you so much. Yeah. And so I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about your apraxia of speech because that, you know, a lot of people may not be familiar with what that is, but also why that really was such a big piece for you taking the stage and speaking. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah. So looking back on my story, thinking about apraxia of speech, causing for me to speak a lot, start speaking a lot later than everyone else. And I know my first word was ball, which is pretty interesting with going into tennis, but doing this and when all my other friends were practicing the alphabet, practicing sounding, I don't know how many times it took, but let's say it took them 10, 20, 100, 200 tries to start really understanding it. It took me those same 10, 20, 30, 100, 1,000, 10,000 tries of consistent effort, consistent effort, making it so that then later in life, I, I'm able to speak and I'm able to get my, my story across. But then there's also another thing with a practice of speech where you have it for the rest of your life. You, you can train it, train it, train it. But one thing with me is my brain, my creation of words and creation of getting something from one person to another and communication, it isn't the same as everyone else. Because what happens with me is I I can't think of a word, so I think of another word. And I think about how, what other word could be used. It's not just 
you think of a word that comes up, boom, you speak. But there's so many outside steps, so many hurdles that you go through to make it so you seem quote unquote usual, normal with, with being able to communicate. And I see a practice of speech coming up in almost my daily life with if I get less sleep, if I stop taking care of myself, trying to come up with words, trying to get my point across is so much harder. And this all leads to the giving my TED talk because you see a TED talk and you're like, wow, there they there, I could never do that. That's the exact same thoughts I could have. I had. I'm like, there's no shot I'd be able to do that. That's so crazy. That's so awesome what they're doing. And I was reached out to one of my teachers saying, Hey, I've heard your story before. I think that it would make a huge difference if you shared it on the TEDx talk stage. And I was like, yeah, I think that'd be so smart. I might as well apply because if you push yourself out of your comfort zone, sometimes you'll fail, sometimes you'll succeed, but you always learn. So putting myself out of my comfort zone, going practicing speaking, it meant that it was really challenging. I was trying to speak and I couldn't go with words, Mm -hmm. all these different pieces. But then for, I don't remember how many days straight, it was 100 or 150 days straight. I practiced for an hour or 45 minutes every single night. And what one thing with TED Talks that our TEDx talk was, is it's not you memorize your speech. Because for my entire life, I've tried to do things perfectly. I've tried to memorize a speech, present it. Memorize speech, present it. But in this TEDx event, you're not allowed to do that. What you have to do is understand the, the subject so deeply so that it's a talk, TEDx talk instead of a speech, which I was I was so scared about. I was already out of my comfort zone going on the, the TEDx stage. And then I found out about this and I was terrified. So I practiced night in, just night, 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 just day after day after day where I'd write out my, I'd write for two minutes, uh, the beginning, like, and I'd change it off and I'd think about what would happen if you thought of this? What would happen if you said this? And then I'd do two minutes again for the middle half and then two minutes again for the end. And I'm not allowed to write any more than that. And then I go up, I video myself just in my basement and I, I do the talk. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if I forget absolutely everything. I talk no matter what. I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And it it is so evident with my practice of speech. It's so challenging but the story is in my ted talk where or tedx talk where you you challenge yourself you put yourself out of your comfort zone and i thought that putting myself out of my comfort zone to tell each other to tell their others how to put themselves out of their comfort zone is just too perfect so i practice <laughs> night night i practice day day over and over and over again which then allowed for me to get the get my story across but it wasn't easy. It was so challenging. There was so much struggle in it. And I'd say to all my viewers, all, all the viewers, no, listeners, <laughs> to try and find those exact things. If you see, oh, I'm never going to do that. That's terrifying. That's so out of my comfort zone. I'm going to look silly. I'm going to look dumb. Doing it will be so huge because you know that you're doing something differently than everyone else. And you know that because you're doing something differently, that some strength, some huge difference, differentiator will come from it. So I'd say to the people, to everyone, find that TED Talk for you. Find whatever it is. If you have found yourself being injured, how can you work around it? How can you do this really challenging thing? But I know that something really amazing is always going to come from the struggles in life. I love it. I love your perspective. And I thank you for sharing that. And I know when you stood up there and you said that, you know, you had a praxis of speech, like I knew what that meant for you standing on that stage. And it's just so brilliant to see. So yes, I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I loved the part where you just said it was getting out of my comfort zone to talk to people about getting out of their comfort zone. <laughs> like, wow, this is kind of blew my mind when you said that. Like, that's incredible. But it was such an important talk. And I love your advice. Find that TED talk for you, whatever that may be. 
And sure, you know, may not be on a, on a stage, but it's somewhere, right? And using your voice, finding your talents for sure. So who are the people in your life that most influenced you on this journey? Yeah, so I think that the, when I'm thinking about who created me, who made it so that I see my struggles as a superpower, who allowed me to get Orrin Gillingham to, tutoring really, really early, get that early intervention, deal with advocates. I think it all goes to, I have this thing where I call it team run, where I have Love. such a phenomenal support system of my parents, of my tutors, of my teachers. And they all work together to widen that, to understand what it means to be Ryan Poole. How is it challenging with it? How is it an amazing gift? Having like this, for example, be able to give your story to other people, seeing these other entrepreneurs who have dyslexia, seeing all these different pieces about, well, this has been a challenge, but then they somehow overcame that challenge. It has has made it so that I've been able to do that exact same thing in my life. So I, I can't go, I, I can't thank enough my support system because like I was saying before, imagining me without my, my support system, I can't. It's so sad to think about and think about how there are so many people who don't have that support, support system who could make this huge difference in the world, but they're not able to find who they are because of these people. I think, first of all, listeners on the podcast, you are, you're taking such a huge step. You are, because you're listening, you are making that difference for your kid, for someone who you know who has neurodiversity. If you have neurodiversity yourself, you're making such a huge step forwards because having a support system, understanding what support system means, what it means to be neurodiverse makes a world of difference. Like I can't even imagine the world that I'd be in if I weren't have weren't to have my support system. So you all who are listening, um, you are the difference, and you you can be my support system. You you can make it so that people can imagine their dreams, so that people can reframe their stories. So whoever's listening, that's amazing. But give yourself a pat on the back because you are truly making a difference in the world. I I just I think that was so so important that point you just made made it so make it so people can realize their dreams. This quote stuck out to me. I was recently uh, watching a, a wrestling tournament, college wrestling. My husband's a wrestling coach, and the wrestler won the championship uh, in his weight class. And they said, you know, how did you? How did you train? Like, how you know? What's your advice? And he's like, you know, I I just speak it into existence. And I just, that line to me just really just resonates. And I think it's really connected to what you just said, just having that support system, but also knowing how to speak it into existence, like make it, make it happen. But it's through the work of team Ryan that I'm sure you are just so, so incredibly grateful. And it does take a village. It does. Oh, Uh I was just going to say, Ryan, that, you know, I think as people get to know you more, you are going to be on their team. Like okay. you are, you are their cheerleader. Like when you're speaking, you are so passionate. And I really think that you are going to speak. You do speak to a lot of people's hearts. And I just think that you are, whether you know it or not, they're going to be like, I have, I have Ryan on my team. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that your reframing <laughs> is, is making gigantic ripples in the world. So yes. thank you so much. And talking about realizing your dream that has so much to do with putting yourself out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. If you never put yourself in a position to fail, you're not going to be able to succeed. If you never try to create that business, you're never going to create the business. And although you may fail, although you may lose the wrestling tournament, because you're putting yourself in that challenging position, you can win, you can learn. So it's, it's amazing thinking about how everything that's been said on the podcast isn't just one thing over here, one thing in the opposite place but it's all integrated. So it's fascinating to me. Absolutely. Yeah, it really is all integrated. And so, you know, your advice was to reframe your story. And so, you know, what can people 
take from that in terms of the next steps or some advice for parents or teachers or students? Yeah, so thinking about reframing your story, obviously life is life. Life has such challenging things. If you're putting yourself in positions to fail, you're gonna fail a lot. Let me tell you, I have failed so many to so many times I couldn't even count a hundredth of it. So thinking about how can you reframe your story? I know this is in my TED talk, but I think that you should do something right now. I think that you should first grab a notepad, a pencil, your phone and go to notes. Like do that literally right now when you're listening to this. Now, the first step is to write down your most annoying weakness, your most annoying struggle. The thing that just, that, that bites at you and it bugs you so much. Like, why did that thing choose you? And then number two, you know, for number one, write down, like for me, that's that's my dyslexia. That's my severe dyslexia. So processing time. And for the second thing to write down, write down to this, this challenge, this so-called struggle is making it so that you have to do something differently than everyone else. In my, in my TEDx talk, I mentioned something called unfair man. So how is it making you have to do something differently than everyone else and, and making you differentiate yourself? Then, and for me, that's, that's my work ethic. Having to consistently work and work and work in language arts and having to put in so much more effort. And then for number three, write down how your unfair mountain, how your struggle, how your differentiator, because you have that challenge, is creating a strength. Mm-hmm. For me, this is my work ethic in language arts transferring to the rest of my life, creating my overall work ethic, tra- creating my drive, tenacity. So what is that for you? And if you name that, I think that's the first step to success. Once you've named that, you're ready to harness your superpower. So I think that's the first step. And if you can not only have this for yourself, but if you can tell others about it, if you can say, hey, oh, you have dyslexia, what what struggles does that create? And then because of those struggles, how does it make you have to do something differently? And then because of this difference, what strengths are being created? So not only the people in this podcast, people listening to it, note this and think about it and write it down. But if you all are able to send the message, destigmatize challenge into strength, it's creating such a huge ripple effect, which then will affect so many people's lives who haven't had the support, who haven't had the the so-called Team Ryan. So y'all who are listening to this, this podcast, I know I've already mentioned this, but y'all are the difference. This is huge. So thank you so much. Well, I just wrote down your three-step plan here. (laughs) So I'm a big journal writer. I will be using your advice. So thank you very much. I did write it all down. (laughs) Thank you. I know many other people will be doing the same. So I'm glad you prompted people like, hey, write this down. Yeah. (laughs) That's so important. (laughs) All right. Ryan, it has just been such a pleasure. I have so many interesting things that I wrote down that you had said in this interview from from the tips you gave about learning how to advocate for yourself to um, talking about Team Ryan to talking about how to really go through the steps to find challenge and turning that into strength. Uh, Let us know, let the listeners know how Tell us how we can learn more about you and how to find you. <laughs> yeah, so I obviously I have the TEDx talk. If you search up Ryan Poole, Reframe Your Struggle, then I believe that should bring it up. Finding me, my Instagram is ryanpool 23 I think that the biggest way that you can make a difference is making is my thinkings, my thoughts, someone living vicariously, it's not just my thoughts, but it's the people who I learned, I've learned this from. It's the thought of reframing your struggle, living vicariously through generation after generation, generation, making that huge difference. So I'd say that these are huge pieces. Being able to share my TEDx talk, being able to, I think the biggest thing is share this idea, share this story, 
because if it can help, like I was saying before, just one more person, if it can make it so that one more person has a support group, that's going to make a world of difference. So thank you all so much, listeners, because you all are the difference. And thank you all so much, Emily and Casey, because you all are creating the difference. It has been a true pleasure to speak with you today, Ryan. Um, And for our listeners, we will have Ryan's Instagram handle and his TED Talk link right there in the notes. And I can't wait to see all of the things that you do in your businesses. So be sure to to stay in touch and let us know. It's exciting. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I'm sure that down the road, Casey and I will have to have you back because you're just going to be doing even more amazing things. And we'll be like, hey, remember we knew Ryan way back when, back when he came here in May, 2023. Let's get him back here. (laughs) Thank you so much. I would be so, so (laughs) thrilled to be back on this anytime. Wonderful. Thank you. All right, everyone, uh, just as Casey had said, you can check out the show notes. We'll have links there, but we always have a blog post that accompanies each episode. You can find that at togetherinliteracy.com. And we will see you back here next time. And uh, Casey and I just want to say that next time will be um, episode 18. And that's actually the wrap up for season two, which is really exciting. So make sure that you listen into that one. And uh, once again, thank you for all of your support and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Together in Literacy podcast today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a positive review and subscribe to the podcast. Each comment means a great deal to us. And if you have any questions for us that you would like answered on the Together in Literacy podcast, please contact us at support at togetherinliteracy.com. Be sure to visit the website www.togetherinliteracy.com for show notes, downloads, and goodies. Thank you for helping us spread the word about the Together in Literacy podcast. We'll see you next time.